The reading is taken from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. <clears throat> the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. I think that's the kind of passage that preachers avoid. Um, I realise that now, standing here this morning, when I heard your thanks be to God at the end there. <laughs> it's still his word, and sometimes his word is challenging. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a generous God. In your generosity and compassion, would you open our minds and our bodies and our very being to your empowering presence. Would you heal us and set us free, we pray. As we read your word, would your word read us too. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, this week, uh, do you ever have one of those weeks that's really complicated? And have you ever had one in the approach to doing a sermon on simplicity? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I went home from work to work on my sermon, actually, um, and then I had to use Matt's phone to call Bethany and say, have I left my phone uh, in the office? <laughs> um, and she looked in the office, and she said, it's not in the office. Is it in the toilet? So she went in the toilet. Don't laugh, you've all left your phone in the toilet before. And it's not in there, and it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere in the church building that I could think of that I had been. Uh, and then I called Matt down from his meeting after he'd finished and I said, can you help me look for my phone? I've lost it and I don't particularly need it right now but uh, Lydia is at nurse, I just would like to know where it is. I can't understand how I've lost it in between church and home if it's not at church and it's not at home. <laughs> and he said, it's there on the armchair. 
<laughs> and I thought, okay, my mind is quite full of other things. Have you? Sometimes when we are looking at how to live out our lives for God, our life itself can be the problem. We are so busy, we are so full of the things of God that perhaps we forget to be with God. It's a silly example and thankfully not a dangerous one. But my mind was so full, I just couldn't see my phone which was right there on the opposite chair. This is a challenging sermon, not because I can't speak. Roddy just actually prayed to multiply my words, so brace yourselves. (laughs) But because of the subject matter, I don't like the feeling that I get when I hear that passage warning me to not live in greed and to give all my possessions away. It's uncomfortable, if I'm honest. But it is so, so important for our walk with God. So important. Simplicity. The quality or condition of being easy to understand or do. Inwardly, what we need is simplicity. Inwardly, what we want is simplicity. It's a... a, When life is complex, like my life appeared to be this week, all I wanted was for it to slow down, to be simple, that life would make sense and have a rhythm that made sense to me. We desire it. But what we often live is a divided heart. Fixated on things that will not satisfy us, a heart that longs to fill the gap between wanting life to be simple and wanting more. And the gap we fill, we have a choice. We can fill it with Jesus, or we can fill it with more. It's not an accident that that's how we feel. The two most powerful emotions of humankind, I think, are I want and I fear. I want and I fear. Just after the Second World War in 1955, an economist called Victor Lebeau was writing for the Journal of Retailing, trying to encourage retailers to up their game to spur on the economy again. And he said this. It's quite long, so please bear with me. Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfactions, our ego satisfactions in consumption. The measure of social status of social acceptance, of prestige, is now to be found in our consumptive patterns. The very meaning and significance of our lives today expressed in what we consume. The greater the pressures upon the individual to conform to safe and accepted social standards, the more does he tend to express himself and his individuality in terms of what he wears, drives, eats, his home, his car, his patterns of food serving, his hobbies. These commodities and services must be offered to the consumer with a special urgency. We require not only forced draft consumption, but expensive consumption as well. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced and discarded at an ever-increasing pace. 
We need to have people eat, drink, dress, ride, live with ever more complicated and therefore constantly more expensive lives. The home power tools and the whole do-it-yourself movement are ex excellent examples of expensive consumption. And this is the world that we now live in, the aftermath of a drive for more from every sphere, particularly where consumerism is rife. And a huge amount of what we desire is comparative or competitive. We want to be like the next person. We want to seek out a life that looks like theirs. Or perhaps we just want to be a bit better, if we're honest, than the other person. I didn't say <laughs> it was an easy sermon. But Jesus calls us to more than that in a different way. Jesus calls us to simplicity. And simplicity is both discipline and grace. Richard Foster writes, it's an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. It is the changing of our heart's posture from stuff to God. Which is exactly what Jesus points out in our passage to this man who is desperate to have an equal uh, division of the inheritance. Seems that not much has changed in modern society compared to when Jesus was speaking then. He challenges the brother in our story, and somehow that challenge to the brother causes our hearts to sink into our guts too. Watch out, be on your guard, Jesus says, against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now the brother is treating Jesus, as you hear Jesus say, as an arbiter of a family dispute. He wants him to make a choice, to take sides, and Jesus says, no way, I'm not going to take sides, but I am going to call out your heart and the hearts of those listening. He cuts straight through the dispute and he calls out greed. We strive for more. We live in the complexity of more. And even if we don't feel completely caught up in it, I bet there are areas in our life where we can see it. We consume more than we need. The effects of climate change are because of that. Because we consume more than we need. driven by the fear of missing out or comparing ourselves to others, our heart posture is no longer turned towards God and instead we live entitlement, turning towards those things that we strive for and lust over. And whether we want to accept it or not, it is an attitude of greed. And it is a risk for anyone, no matter their financial status because we can all long for more. And it's not easy to hear, because the last thing we want to hear is that we have a heart of greed. The brother may well have been entitled to his fair share, but Jesus sees his heart. Is it facing in the right direction? Is it one of compassion, one of generosity, and one of gratitude? And thankfully, Jesus keeps speaking 
and we didn't have that read, but I'm going to read bits of it to you this morning. And he makes it quite clear. When you have enough, don't just hire more storage space. In my research for this <laughs> sermon, I came across a website that had statistics about storage facilities. And I went down a little <laughs> hole <laughs> of reading about statistics for storage facilities. 81%, you know, like the, what's it called, the big yellow box or those sort of things. 81% uh, of the hired space for storage facilities is made by individuals, not by businesses, which surprised me. I would have thought, oh, maybe it's businesses. I know a friend who had a business and needed to put some stuff somewhere because she had a small unit, that sort of thing. But no, 81% is from individuals. I think 45% uh, was from individuals who had inherited a whole load of stuff from families, uh, from family members who'd passed away and didn't know what to do with it. And... 55% of the storage space that was hired was hired by people who had an above-average salary in the UK. There are websites with this stuff on. Um, they're obviously sitting in their storage facility, not sure what to do, so they did some research, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jesus makes it quite clear. When you have enough, don't just hire more storage space or buy a bigger house or a better car or the next best thing but let your heart be in tune with God's own heart. And just generosity will flow up from within you to provide for those around you. We've heard it in our stories today in the celebrations. Generosity pouring out in ways that others would not expect. And in the next part of the passage, we hear Jesus direct these words to his disciples. And I think that's important. Do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, what you will hit, what you will wear. For life is more important than food, and the body more than clothes. He goes on to say, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We don't need to strive for these things. Jesus doesn't say you don't need these things. He said, I will provide the things that you need. I will provide, and you don't need to worry. He addresses so much fear in that one passage, I can't even really call it all out. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. Everyone worries about money, whether they have it or not. It's not unique to those with lots or those without. Everyone worries about it, and Jesus knew that. He knew that we worry what we're wearing, if it's going to look suitable. Do you know what, actually, this morning, when I was getting dressed, I, only about three things fit me now. Um, <laughs> and I thought, can I wear the same clothes that I wore last week to church? As I'm preparing to give a sermon on simplicity, that went through my head. And I couldn't because it was dirty, so... <laughs> 
But everything we worry about in that world, Jesus says, don't worry about it. I will provide what you need, Jesus says. And what is very clear here is that he doesn't say what you need is excessive. What you need is an abundance. Where our heart is, there our treasure will be also. I wonder if you feel today worried, fearful, challenged, stuck. Sometimes I feel a bit stuck in where to place my generosity, how to do it, how to live it out. I wonder what you're feeling towards all that you have is right now as I'm speaking. Simplicity starts with God in all his fullness, being enough for us. Recognizing that our inmost desire is God. That he fulfills all that we need. Simplicity is seeking God by the shortest possible route. Consumerism, busyness, independence, self-sufficiency has a hold of our desires and moves us away from that shortest possible route. And who doesn't want a short route to Jesus? It gets in the way of a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. It moves us from loving God to loving things, and so we live a life that is inconsistent with the way of simplicity and the way of Jesus. Simplicity is not a virtue, it's a practice. We have to practice. We have to practice living in such a way that it is easy to live in the rhythm of Jesus. It is the next step on our spiritual journey with him. And today Jesus invites us into that journey. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we will see that we have all we need in him and notice those that do not. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we understand what he has done for us already. Imagine if we were so closely woven into God's own heart that we could respond instantly to the call. Sell all your possessions and give what you have to the poor. It is not comfortable in leafy Surrey, I know. But leafy Surrey is not without the poor. It's harvest coming up. Beesom are doing a cry for collection for people who can't even feed their family. It's not abstract. It's not out there somewhere else. It's on our doorstep. And when we have much, we are called to give more. When our heart wells up with gratitude for all that we do have, generosity wells up within us too. When we recognize what we have, you can't help but be generous. It's when we don't notice all that we have that it becomes a struggle. It is the attitude of our heart. When we t- take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on Jesus, we notice, we see, and we are grateful. The discipline of simplicity gives way to a heart of gratitude and grace in our lives, opening us up to be vessels of all that God has given us. 
Jesus' way is one of simplicity. It's not, what Jesus calls us to is not complicated. We make it complicated. In our race to be the best, to compete, to not miss out, to ensure that we have all that we need, our, individu- our individuality has taken us away from the very core of what Jesus calls us to. The practice of simplicity and of community. We draw near to him in the practice of simplicity. Our hearts solely focused on him. So that we might live alongside those we share this earth with in compassion. Perhaps Jesus will provide for those in need through us. He does and he will. But we need to be listening. One of our wise lay readers shared with us this week that perhaps we compare ourselves in the wrong direction. We compare ourselves with the affluent, with the wealthy, with those with more, instead of comparing ourselves with the poor. And it completely changes our pattern of generosity, if we do. If we compare what we have with the poor, then our compulsion will be less to consume and more to care. Less to fulfill our wants and more to live generously. Our desire changes from one of materialism to one that gives away time, possessions, love, to, to, to fulfill the call of Jesus, to give to those with nothing, is to recognize that all we have belongs to God. As Tom said last week, we're, we're to have open hearts and arms to receive. God wants to give us good things, but that open heart and those open hands also give out. We need to be attentive to the Holy Spirit nudging us, challenging us and moving us on in our journey of faith. Simplicity is a choice, but it is also a sacrifice. And we must guard against its opposite of greed and wanting more. Whether we have a little or a lot, we can have a heart of generosity. My prayer for us today was that our hearts would overflow with gratitude for what we have. And I think there's some little cards that you have already been given, perhaps, or are going to get given. Um, And that is to help us to practice gratitude. You practice speaking out what you're thankful for, speaking out uh, that practice of gratitude and thanks. Something shifts in your heart and you start to realize all that you have and all that you can give. And so I think I'm going to pass over to Heather, but that is where we are headed now. Thank you, Sophie. So as uh, Sophie said, um, you should have been given a card as you came in. And if you haven't got one, I'm sure if you wave, somebody will 
ensure that, uh, you that we'll get one to you. Um, and it says on it, how have you been challenged to be generous this week? And as Sophie's reminded us, generosity is also about the state of our hearts. And so in response to what we've heard um, both last week from Tom and Sophie this morning, I wonder if we can just spend just a couple of minutes just using this as a prompt to help us think about how we're going to respond to the call of what are we being challenged 